This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. That to me is caring for yourself, is like carving out moments uh, where you feel joy. This week, my guest, Sinikiwe Stephanie Dliwayo, is a creative, an educator, and an entrepreneur. If you read her bio, you'll see that she gets the assignment when it comes to Ubuntu. She is steadfast in her belief that humanity and Blackness are inextricably linked. I think we can all learn from someone like Sinikiwe, who is decolonizing wellness while trying to find the balance between being both a creative and an entrepreneur, acknowledging the discomfort that arises and also the privilege she has. Here's our conversation. Sinikiwe Stephanie Ziwayo, welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. No, I'm glad that we got to to get this conversation rolling. Um, and to get us started, you know, my mom always says that our resumes are not a full explanation of who we are as a person. And so I'm wondering what you would say is missing from your resume that you think people should know about you. Yeah, I mean, I think what the resume does not um, exemplify is how just I think how hard um, it was to actually like become a creative um, and all of the stories, the stories for days that I have um, from the past 10 years um, that have kind of gotten me to this point and also have gotten me to a place where I feel confident um, in running a business. I think that is very much missing from the resume. And so, you know, I think when folks, uh, you know, read pieces on me or, you know, listen to podcasts about me and it seems kind of easy, right, and easeful, um, Mm -hmm. that is one thing I would like to dispel. Like, it absolutely has not been easy. Um, And in that kind of... um, process, right, to getting to this point. Um, I'm grateful in a lot of ways for everything that I had to go through um, because I think going forward, it has helped me figure out like what doesn't work for me, right, and how Mm -hmm. I also want to treat people as I begin to build out my team. I, I, I totally understand that. You know, I I think it's like the it's the going from the the normal nine to five to the sort of how am I gonna do the things that are sort of like my purpose work that look maybe frilly to other people and then also still like survive on that and the you know being like your number one cheerleader through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Well, speaking of purpose work, what what do you sort of see as your purpose work? Um, my purpose in life is to be of service to other Black, Indigenous, and people of color and to serve as a vessel for showing folks what it looks like and feels like to be physically, mentally, and spiritually well. Um, And that, I think, takes many forms from facilitating workshops to leading yoga and meditation to, I think, just being transparent, right, about Mm -hmm. the hard stuff 
um, because people so often aren't transparent about the hard stuff. And again, just like this idea that we've been conditioned to, you know, everything is seemingly an overnight success, which is like not the case. Um, And I have, yeah, I have, I just have a hard time pretending. I think that's always just been me. Um, And so I'd rather be honest. Are you one of those people that like, Every, like everything shows on your face. That's what I thought of when you said pretending. Like I, oh, I can't yeah, pretend no, because yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I can be quiet, but it'll show on my face like right there and then. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's literally just like there is no hiding anything. It's on my face. <laughs> I've been working on it. I would I would really like to be a person that just responds like, oh, I see. And like not know, not let them know what I'm thinking, but we're not there yet. Same. Um, not there yet. Well, speaking of, you know, the sort of like things that you offer, I know that you, you have something called Naya. And I'm wondering if you could sort of tell my listeners what the origin story behind Naya is and, and, and what the mission is as well. Sure. Um, so Naya started, um, as a means again, to carve out space, um, for myself and folks who are like me, who identify as black, indigenous and people of color, Um, because I was working um, for Men's Health Magazine. And essentially every month at that magazine, I was putting out a magazine for white men, right? And it was frustrating when we did tell stories of BIPOC folks, um, because those stories weren't often told, like, through the lens of us, right? primarily white owned and operated magazine. And so the lens in which those stories were told um, was through like a white lens. Right. And so I, yeah, I really, and also just from a teaching perspective, often teaching in spaces where I was um, the only black teacher or teacher of color and wanting to teach people like myself um, and having that ability um through my teaching. So I, I worked with a nonprofit called Bent on Learning, where I taught young people in public schools here in New York City. Um, and that was a great experience. But then I noticed as I, you know, more people found out about me and my work um, and working with, you know, bigger brands and companies, those spaces started to become less and less um, diverse. Um, and that was troubling to me. Yeah. And so yeah, I started just thinking about like what it would look like to kind of create a community. And, you know, I think where I landed was that it also felt very trite to me to talk about things like yoga and meditation without kind of talking about the larger social issues that we face as black and brown folks, right? It just didn't sit right to me to be like, okay, so this horrible thing just happened in the media, but like you should just close your eyes and breathe, right? Mm -hmm. That can fix everything, right? And I think that that's so often – in the context of the broader like wellness industry, like that is so often the rhetoric. It's just like, okay, well, you know, if you journal or if you meditate or if you do yoga, then like everything's going to be great. And it's like, nah, yo, like if I can't pay bills or if I can't, you know, if I'm constantly in a mode of like trying to survive, then there's no way that caring for myself in this, you know, kind of 
blanket umbrella that has been deemed like self-care, um, that's just not going to be prioritized, right? And I think also on the flip side of that, like self-care has also been touted as like you have to buy something um, in order for that to be considered like self-care, uh, where it's like, you could just put music on and dance in your bed, right. right? And that's caring for yourself or just like cooking yourself a nice meal or going for a walk or hugging a friend, right? Like all of those or sending voice notes. Like I love sending voice notes. Um, and all of those things are also caring for yourself. I like that. And it makes me think of, so, you know, when we reached out to you, your your automatic email response said, thank you for your email. In full transparency, the ongoing racial reckoning and global pandemic have been taxing on my mental health. You can expect a response within 48 to 72 hours. I appreciate your grace. And I was like, oh, yes, like wonderful. You know, it's funny. I've actually this week had like a crisis of uh, all the things because I got some feedback because I'm in the process of, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but, uh, working on an app for Naya. Mm -hmm. And so I got some feedback that putting, having that kind of message up on my email might indicate to certain folks that I am not maybe as committed to the process of, you know, being an entrepreneur, which I found very interesting, um, and so I still like, instead of taking it down completely, I just like shifted the language, you know, to really, um, hone in on like the fact that Naya is really rapidly growing. Right. Um, and as such, like, you know, just expect a delay in my email response. Um, so I just kind of like shifted the language a bit. Cause I also think that, you know, unfortunately, even given after uh, last summer, right? I think that anytime you mention race or racism or anything along those lines, there are certain folks that are just going to be a bit prickly about it, right? And so, you know, I'm I'm trying to grow this business, and so I'm I'm trying to also, as much as I don't want to, all of me says like fuck the system, right? Don't mm -hmm. operate within the system. And I'm like, all right, if it's now, you know, been mentioned to me a few times, like it's worth considering, you know what I mean? But well, okay. So I was going to ask, how do people respond to that? But I mean, that's the very interesting thing, right? Because I think in this like very specific segment of folks that are are outside of wellness, right? Um, and I talked to my dear friend, shout out to Ellie Burroughs, who like walked me through it, and my dear friend Penda Jai. Um, and we talked about it. And it's like for folks who are kind of in wellness, right, or wellness adjacent, they see that message and they're like, oh, this is amazing. We love this, right? Mm -hmm. And then folks who are – and where the feedback kind of came was um, people who are more in, like, that venture capital kind of, like, money space of things, right? Mm -hmm. And so for them, it's it, – again, it's, like, outside of the normal paradigm, right? Like, I am literally saying, like, yo, everything's crazy. I don't want to pretend like shit is okay. And so I am choosing to – be more um, like maybe intentional. 
Yeah, conscientious about like my output, right? And so it's yeah, it's interesting in that way too because it's just like you know, unfortunately, like people, we all have our um, perceptions and misperceptions of folks, right? And so if your first perception of me from that email autoresponder is like, I'm not like a serious business person, right? Like to me, that says maybe we're not in alignment to work together. That's know? what I would think. For sure. But it, but it's, but again, it's also tricky, right? Cause I, I, my business is not funded externally, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, and going into this process of, um, running a crowdfunding campaign starting in November, right? It's like I have to, yeah, just be aware, right, of how people are perceiving my messages and adjust accordingly, right, in this in this particular um, moment anyway. Can I ask, like, so the people who have, and you obviously don't have to answer this, but who have sort of given that feedback, like, would they be people that have been affected by a racial reckoning or no? No. Yeah. Yeah. See that. But, but, and I would offer, right. It, it as frustrating and it was frustrating. I, I called my friends like both in tears um, because I was so upset about this feedback that I received. And unfortunately, given, um, you know, the wealth gap, for Black folks, right, and other folks, given that wealth gap, it's like, I know I am not independently wealthy, right? right? I have immense privilege, although I came here as an immigrant, and I know that I have been grossly underpaid in the 10 years of my career, right? So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's like I have to seek some type of outside help, right, in order for me to continue to grow my business in a way that I would like, you know? So in that regard, it's like we have to make concessions, right? And I talk about this a lot. It's like I am absolutely like seeing all these posts about like I just left my job and like all these things, right? I'm just like, yes, burn it down. Let's burn it all down because the thing about it is like these these systems don't work for anyone, right? They don't work for anyone. They only work for the people who are capitalizing on human labor, right? And extorting said labor. And so if the people who are being that labor have decided like this no longer works for me and like we need to do something different, right? Like I personally am here for that, right? But like what I um the point that I was trying to make and I got sidetracked was just <laughs> that like, you know, unfortunately, like we operate in a system of capitalism. And as much as I would really love to just like burn it all down, like your girls gotta eat and I mm-hmm. got my rent. You know what I mean? So in a lot of ways, while I am trying to build something that, you know, as much as possible can operate outside of this really problematic system, I also have to operate within it in other ways, right? So it's like there are certain concessions that I make even with like projects and things that I take on, right? Because I know that, okay, this is going to resource me financially and this is going to enable me to do this for Naya. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So it's that constant like give and take of like, all right, we're going to do this so that we can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's a balance. For sure. And like, hopefully 
it won't be that way forever. Well, no. So I totally understand. You know, I think it's a balance, but I, I do want a voice that I think sort of that message to me came off as you being someone that was like extending grace to yourself. And I think it's courageous. And so I really appreciated it. Um, and so I, sorry that you had to sort of modify it, but I wanted to voice it because I'm sure that I have listeners that a would appreciate that may not have ever seen that on someone's email response. And I think it's something that like more of us should think of, you know, as, as, as these things happen, like our world is not, gonna stay stagnant and so I think sort of having those messages out um may may get normalized at some point so I appreciate you having it is what I wanted to say thank you I appreciate you (laughs) um so you know you're you have Naya and you offer all these services where you are I know that we wellness is like how do we sort of define it um and and you're sort of trying to decolonize it and and make it holistic in the way that, you know, we can't just like slap a label on something and say self-care and it, and it heals everything. Um, but I'm wondering how do you get people to sort of begin these self-care or wellness practices? Like for instance, I'm very bad at meditating. I've actually been trying again this week, but I'm like, I'm like really bad. Like I get out of a sort of like meditation practice and I like, I'm lightheaded. And so I must not be doing it properly. (laughs) Um, but I wonder what are some wellness practices that you would advise people to like pick up on that, that you really do think make a difference? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I think prescribing like a one size fits all thing for everyone is really Mm -hmm. challenging, right? Because like there are some people that love running and that's how they get excited about moving their body. And I despise running. You know what I'm saying? Like so uncomfortable having like just like a one size fits all type of thing. Just like, I don't, I don't personally think works. I think it really is about like, figuring out what makes you feel good in your body um, and in your mind and in your spirit, right? And then cultivating um, those practices, right? And um, making space in your day to do them, you know? And so for me, those things are practicing meditation now, um, less so like the physical asana part of yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, those are my two like main jams, so to speak. And those things work really work for me. Right. And then I would, I want to really love breath work. Um, but it, it's a similar thing where I just, I'm like, this is like leaving me dizzy. Like, I don't know doing this right. Um, but then I have other friends that it like really works for. So, you know, it's just, I think it, it, it has to be um, customized to you and your needs. And also the thing about meditation is not just like, I don't know, it's been so commercialized that it's painted as this like, glossy, zen, like, moment, right? And it's like, no, when you meditate, you are literally being confronted with every single thought in Mm -hmm. your brain. And that shit is really scary, right? Like, that's scary to just, like, sit down, take breaths, and notice, like, what is up in your mind? Like, yo, like, that's not, like, an exciting endeavor, right? No. That's not, like, scrolling on the gram and, like, getting a hit of dopamine from a like. That's literally just, like, wow, I really have to, like, deal with my stuff, right? 
Um, and so I think for that reason, it's also very intimidating for folks because it has been touted as this thing that you just sit and meditate and you clear your mind, right? When, when that's not at all the case, you know? Um, but I would say for folks like looking to really um, create moments for themselves to like be easeful in this world that is not easeful, I would say like focusing actually not even on like the, the modality itself, but just like what brings you joy, right? Like what yeah. brings you joy? Does like singing bring you joy? Does going to dance classes safely because we're still in a pandemic, does that bring you joy, right? Like that to me is caring for yourself, is like carving out moments uh, where you feel joy. I like that. Joy is like a big part of Ubuntu. So I really, I really like that. Um, What has sort of sustained you in, in tough moments? Like, as you said, we're still in the pandemic, Um, And so it's, you know, can be a difficult time for any number of reasons. What sort of like keeps you going in difficult times? Um, I think my people keep me going. And my people include like the young people that I'm so honored to work with. Um, When they send me notes that are like, um, you know, hey, like, thanks for your support. Thanks for your mentorship. Like, that absolutely keeps me going right it's like Mm -hmm. okay cool so like all of the stuff for all of the challenging conversations that I'm having around my autoresponder on my email like it's not for naught right like there is a reason why I do these tough things um and if me going through those challenging moments can serve as a um story, right? Or if it can serve as like a lesson um, for folks, um, then I'm happy to be the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. Yeah. And who are the people who have inspired you? Um, I mean, my parents inspire me. They came to this country. I mean, my mom specifically came to this country Um North America. I think she was 20 um, or 21 when she came to North America. Mom, don't hate me if I get the age wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And she helped make a life for us here. You know, like none of what I'm doing now um, would be possible without her being so courageous um, and being so resilient, right? Like literally none of this now would be possible. So I am more than forever indebted to my mom. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but I feel like I'm always talking about my mom. And I literally was like, mom, do you think people are tired about hearing about you? Mm -hmm. And she was like, probably. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom came here, I think when she was 17 or 18. And uh, yeah, I feel the same way. So I totally understand. Yeah. And I, you know, as I was sort of reading about you and learning more about Naya, I, I saw that you love sort of visual storytelling. And I, w- I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so I um, studied photography and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started loving photography in high school, um, where, you know, I studied Roy de Carava and um Gordon Parks and just, yeah, the way that they really exemplified, like, um, 
or illustrated rather, um, Black people, right? And showing their humanity, right? Because Mm -hmm. then, like, when things are done through the lens of whiteness, so often Black people are made to be seen as, like, inhumane, right? And so seeing these photographers, these Black male photographers, um, showing Black people in a very beautiful manner, it was just so phenomenal. Um, And so from that, I initially was actually going to study graphic design, and then my portfolio wasn't strong enough for graphic design. And because I'm not patient, like I was told, (laughs) I was told that I could like do um, drawing classes like my first semester um, and then transfer into graphic design. Um, But I just found that like, I, you know, I, I love photography also in equal parts. And so for me, I just kept with photography and then I also studied uh, marketing as well. Um, But yeah, I think that it's also very hard in terms of like being a professional creative, right? Because so often there is a hierarchy um, and that hierarchy doesn't often include people like myself, right? So it was always just hard to have like all this creativity kind of just like bubbling up and wanting to prove myself, I guess, in a lot of ways and just not having like an opportunity to do that um, in a formal like corporate setting, you know? Yeah. Um, So it's been, yeah, it's been like such a pleasure to be able to kind of exude that creativity through Naya and again, like given the limitations of like my financial resources, right? It's like, I wish I could do like 10 times more than I do right now, but for, you know, for right now, it's perfectly fine. Of course. Do you still, I mean, I've, I'm sure the answer is yes, because I think this happens to so many of us, but do you still sort of get the outreach from people where, you know, they're, they're asking you for like so much work that sometimes is emotional work and I don't think they realize that. And then all they're offering in return is exposure. Oh, yeah. No, sis. Like, I think because I'm so vocal about it now, like, you know, especially like via social platforms and stuff like that. Like when I first started Naya, there were definitely times that I like did a lot of things for no money that should I I should absolutely have been paid for. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this juncture, you know, unfortunately, I just also just can't right like I don't have the capacity like I right now I only have an assistant helping me with stuff and so if it's something that's going to take away from my time running Naya right like I need to be compensated for it I just I can't work for free anymore you know and I'm very yeah I think I'm also it helps that I am very vocal about it right it's like cool like I love that you're interested in what I'm doing and I, I don't work for free, right? And I think yeah. it's also just like normalizing like black folks, black women especially are asked to do things for free because we are not valued, right? And so I want to normalize that we are valuable. I mean, we are intrinsically valuable by nature of being beautiful human beings and in order to operate within the system of capitalism, right? Like we need to get paid for our output and our labor well my my thought is I'm always like well I was 
clearly I've been exposed because you found me. Well, so right. Like, how did you find me, though? How did you find me? Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Like, oh, that's that's really cute. But, like, how how did you find me, though? Like, right? if I haven't been exposed, like, yeah. I'm out here. It's yeah. just very interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then before I get to my two closeout questions, which are usually my favorite, I want to know, like, is there something that you lost in the pandemic that you're grieving and and growing through or from? Yeah, I mean, I think that my identity um, as a creative professionally um, in the sense of like working in a corporate climate, right? Like I always wanted to work in magazines right? That was a dream come true for me. And so to not have that outlet, right? Like I do have that outlet. Like my creativity mm-hmm. hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. Um, but to not be able to channel it, I think in that very specific way um, was a, absolutely like a big blow to the ego. Um, and also I think in the long term, um, my metal mental health is absolutely better off. Right. Um, and, and yeah, it's still a big loss, you know, um, it was something that I worked towards for 10 years and now it's gone, you know, that's hard. Yeah. I can only imagine. And what would you say is your greatest fear for humanity? Um, my biggest fear for humanity, I think, is all of the hate that people have in their hearts. Um, that's really, really heartbreaking to me. Um, this past weekend, I went to this event called Breakout, shout out Breakout. Um, and I had the honor of listening to young people talk about their experience in school. Um, and The young people were primarily Black young people, um, and they spoke to how they have to navigate their administration, who is, you know, very racist towards these young Black students. And hearing that was just so heartbreaking. It's like I didn't have the language for all of the stuff that I went through growing up until I was, like, solidly in college, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, all of these things just like crystallized and I was like, oh shit, the kid that like licked me in the store and said, I don't taste like chocolate. That was this. Oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? It lit like, just like everything just like going off in my brain. And so for me to like sit there and listen to these kids who are like one of them started um, a bilingual book company. Another one has like a spice company who are so talented Right. And yet they can't overcome being treated or mistreated because of their skin color. That breaks mm-hmm. my heart. Right. And sometimes like it really like gets me on my knees to the point where I can't function because it makes me so sad that I'm just like there really are just people that don't care to know anything about me or my people because mm-hmm. we are brown. Right. Yeah. And that that's hard. Um, and so I think that I try to operate um, from a place of love, right? Again, knowing not everyone deserves that love. But, you know, I think if we get out of our heads and into our hearts, I think that there could be a chance for humanity. 
I like, I think I totally understand what you're saying about not knowing sort of like how to like verbalize your experience until college, because I went to like private, mostly all girl school for my entire life and was raised in a like very white community. And about a week ago, I had a family friend ask me if when I was like younger, if I enjoyed it. And I said, at the time, I think I did enjoy it. But if I understood what a microaggression was at like age nine, I don't think I would have been enjoying it. Because I, yeah, I would have been able to say like, (laughs) that was weird. What you just said, that was real effed up. But because I like didn't know, I just was like, hmm, that statement makes me feel uncomfortable, but I don't know why. So I'm just going to like keep it pushing, you know? No, totally. Yeah. It's just so, it's just so weird. Um, But no, yeah. So I I think I feel you on that. And so then what is your greatest hope for humanity? Um, I mean, I think love, right? I think that the more and more that we can tap into love and the fact that, you know, even though we all may have our external differences, um, that we are all intrinsically valuable just by nature of being humans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was lovely to speak with you. Thank you. It was so lovely to speak with you as well. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow me at mungi.ingomane on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope.